Part 2, The House. Chapter 12, Connectivity. The motorway passed through the bright green wasteland that had once been Ireland's golden vale. There were no beasts in the fields and most of the farms were abandoned. Some had been left tidy, tractors reversed into rusting barns and the houses with curtains drawn. In others, the bleached skeletons of cattle lay unburied in the fields. The land around them was swathed in grassland of a luxuriant and brilliant green. She had seen it on television and on countless Horcrux memes, but nothing that she had seen online prepared her for the devastation of the landscape. All the subtlety and variation had gone. Ninety percent of the species that once inhabited the land were dead, the worms and the badgers and the bees. She knew the statistics by heart, but actually seeing it was far, far worse than she had imagined. Unnecessary journeys across the parts of the country worst hit by rainfall were officially discouraged. This one had required a pass secured by Ethan Blake, and the dissemination of information was under tight control. City dwellers were convinced that the state of the countryside was not nearly as bad as the rural people claimed, and that the thousands that flocked from the poisoned midlands were economic migrants in search of urban prosperity. Leah wound down the window and closed it again quickly. A smell of putrefaction lingered in the air. It looks so fertile. It is, in a way, said the glyph. Rainfall precipitated a process known as eutrophication, an excess of nutrients in the water and the soil. This encouraged the growth of certain species to the exclusion of others. What you perceive as grass is an invasive species, inedible to livestock and inimical to native grassland. They crossed a slow-flowing river, its blue-green water almost obscured by a blanket of yellow flowers. A family of giant beaver rats grazed the riverbank, cropping the weed with orange teeth. The adults had the heft of spaniels and rat-like tails. Some species thrive in the changed environment, but they are not necessarily the ones preferred by humans. The trees that had once lined the riverbanks were dead, their bare branches entwined with living ivy. Leah's throat swelled with the onset of tears. Death was everywhere she looked. She swallowed hard and switched the car to auto-drive. You are emoting, said the glyph, casting her a disapproving look. Of course I'm fucking emoting, you fucking robot, Leah snapped. The world is dying and everyone is carrying on like normal. The normalisation of adversity is one of the predominant characteristics of the human race. During the Second World War, the British called it the Blitz mentality. Many theorists consider it preferable to the breakdown of society. But like that, there wasn't much that she could argue with. Fifty years ago, an outcry might have had some effect. Now it was far too late. They passed a field with bar and rail fencing, where a convolvulus grew through the skeletal remains of horses. Leah looked away. Will the land recover? The glyph consulted some internalised search engine. 
It is possible, but the accelerated rate of climate change makes it unlikely. The most probable scenario is that a radically reduced human population will adapt to the altered environment. Although still far from comfortable with the digital entity currently occupying the passenger seat, Leah had to admire the glyph's ability to give a straight answer. Unlike the news channels, it had not been programmed to misinform. The future of your species depends to a large extent on the moon plague, the glyph continued. The virus remains highly resistant to treatment. So how long have we got? How long is a piece of string? Leah looked at it severely. The glyph shrugged. That is exactly the type of remark that your brother would have made. Leah raised her eyes to heaven. Mimicking Ronan's behaviour isn't necessarily a good thing. Do you mean that you would prefer me to simulate certain behaviours only? No, said Leah. I would prefer you not to look or act like my brother at all. But you're stuck with your programming and I'm stuck with this job. Can't afford not to take it. And you seem to be written into the terms and conditions, so I'm stuck with you. Tell you what, though, you help me find Ronan, and I'll see that you get retired to a nice server with a sea view. Deal? Deal, said the glyph. In answer to your question, wealthy people of your generation may well live out their normal span. I cannot project the life expectancy of their offspring, but... Given the low fertility rates associated with rainfall, the situation may not arise. The car, which had been cruising in auto-control, swerved dangerously across the road. An orange light flashed cryptically on the dashboard, and a polite English voice requested that she resume manual drive. Cursing, Leah grabbed the steering wheel and manoeuvred back into the correct lane. She veered onto the hard shoulder and stopped the car. Her heart was pounding. The Firebird was modelled on a 1950s concept vehicle with a bubble top and tail fin. It was bright red, almost entirely autonomous, and belonged to Ethan Blake. Leah, although nominally licensed, was out of the habit of driving. She wiped her sweaty palms on her trousers. The autodrive was much more competent than she was, but only when it worked. It had not occurred to her that it might be unreliable. What happened there? Why did the autodrive just switch off like that? The glyph furrowed its brow. There are several possible answers. The most likely of these is that the problem is a software error. This is something that I can scan for and repair when our journey is complete. Mechanical error is less likely. If this is the case, I can make the diagnosis, but the repair will have to be executed by a trained mechanic. The third option is more difficult to explain, but there appears to be a correlation between connectivity and folklore. What do you mean? Electronic devices are statistically less likely to work in places associated with folkloric tradition. We have just passed a tree that has significance to the local people. They dare not harm it, and they tie rags to its branches in the hope that it may grant their wishes. A fairy tree? You're taking the piss. But the cliff was not programmed to take the piss. 
The reason for device malfunction is not known, but the statistics seem to be reliable. Bullshit. Leah restarted the engine. A yellow light on the dashboard highlighted the word troubleshoot. She pressed it. The car consulted its own internal mechanisms. The green light pulsed. No error detected. Leah peered at it suspiciously. The thought of entrusting her life to an unreliable auto-control system terrified her, but the hard shoulder was not a safe place to be either. The abolition of speed limits had done nothing for the standard of Irish driving. She instructed the car to resume the journey. The glyph clutched nervously at the grab handle as the car pulled cautiously into the slow lane. Don't know what you're so worried about, said Leah. It's not like you can die or anything. I am programmed to mimic human reactions, said the glyph. But whatever had disrupted the autonomous system was no longer a problem, and, designed to respond to a nervous driver, the car proceeded at a steady pace. Leah slowed her breathing and changed the subject. So, who's going to be there, and do they know we're coming? I have let the caretaker know, said the glyph. His name is John Reardon. The family has worked on the estate since the 18th century. The Blake family have not lived at Carmoyle since 1919. That's funny, said Leah. A big house like that would have been worth a lot of money back in the prosperity. Why didn't they sell it? They could have turned it into a hotel or something. The glyph's face assumed the inward-looking expression that meant it was accessing information from the cloud. Carmoyle was put up for sale on three occasions. It said after a brief pause. In 1919... In 1989, and then again in 2019. In all three instances, the sale fell through. How come? Different reasons, said the glyph. But there are gaps in the online record. It appears that some of the relevant information has been removed. They left the motorway at the exit signposted for the Ethan Blake Plaza. Leah glanced sideways at the glyph and said nothing, unsure if she wanted to encourage its sense of humour. The autodrive function abandoned them again in the village of Arda. Fucking fairies, said Leah, taking the wheel. Let's stop and ask directions. But the single street village was deserted, its buildings boarded up with no sign of inhabitants. To make matters worse, the glyph was overcome by an attack of the hiccups. Turn hic left at the bottom of the hill and travel hic west for 2.4 kilometres. I am experiencing connectivity issues and need to reboot, said the glyph, and vanished. Suddenly exhausted and feeling even more alone, Leah drove around in circles for another 20 minutes before the car, briefly assuming ownership of the situation, steered itself gently into the ditch. She clambered from the sinking vehicle, trying to avoid contact with the giant hogsbane that now engulfed it, and stood by the roadside on unsteady legs. There was no great harm done, either to herself or to the car, but she would certainly be sore in the morning. Leah extracted her bag from the back seat and slammed the car door vindictively. 
bastard emerging technology. She felt briefly nostalgic for the internal combustion engine, for all the harm that they had done to the environment. There was something reassuringly fixable about mechanical vehicles. You could lift the bonnet and fiddle around, even if you didn't know much, and sometimes get things working. It was no wonder that her dad loved his lawnmower so much. Leah looked around and tried to get her bearings. She had no idea where she was and the glyph was nowhere to be seen. She tried her phone, but that wasn't working either. Leah climbed back into the car and searched for a map, but found only an unresponsive navigation unit. The car sank a little deeper into the marsh. She resisted the urge to cry. Between the hairy stems, she thought that she could see a stone wall of a type that she associated with the estates of the landed gentry. There was a strong smell of rotting parsnip. She sheltered her bag and followed the wall, which ran along the side of the road. The leaves of the hogsbane formed an umbrella far above her head, and something rustled in the undergrowth. Leah remembered the beaver rats and shuddered. She followed the estate wall for half an hour, keeping an eye out for giant rodents, until it curved into a splendid gateway, with wrought iron gates rusting in their sockets, and a tiny ruined gate lodge, almost subsumed by ivy. She pushed the leaves aside to read a plaque on one of the gate piers. That dear old brown house with its ivied keep, haunted by ghosts and grim and dismal tales. That's the most unsettling thing I've ever seen on a gatepost, thought Leah. But the inscription, although far from inspiring confidence, confirmed that she had arrived at Carmoyle, and this, she told herself, was better than being lost. <laughs>